So much of development, I find now that I do it all, you know, full time is is not just writing code. It's, it's patterns. It's thinking about structure and, and how to approach problems. Hello and welcome to the PyBytes podcast, where we talk about Python, career and mindset. We're your hosts. I'm Julian Sequeira. And I am Bob Beldebos. If you're looking to improve your Python, your career, and learn the mindset for success, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to the PyBytes podcast. This is Bob Beldebos, and I'm here with Josh and Gruff. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Unfortunately, Julian couldn't make it, so... Um... He's having big FOMO right now, but uh, yeah, we are going to chat today together and uh, yeah, maybe just introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, yeah. Hi, my name's Josh Engroff. I'm a working um, software developer. My background before development, um, software development was product management. It, like my first tech job in the internet industry, I got in 1999, um, working for an e-commerce company. Um, and I was coming out of grad school and some friends of mine started like a e-commerce company and I was supposed to be the copywriter, but then I was like the webmaster. And then I was like learning on the job how to write HTML. And it was like super old school, like old waterfall process for getting projects done. And it was, but anyway, so yeah, my background is product, product management, UX. Um, and um, I, I, I made the jump to the other side about three years ago, but in, in, in a serious way, two years ago. And then I took, um, I was in your PDM group, I think a year ago. Was it a year, full year ago? Yeah. Yeah. Some, almost a year, I think. So yeah. 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 Tell, tell me a bit about the transition because um, uh, interesting background. Thanks for sharing. Now you're a developer. So what, what made you uh, go into development? That's a good question. Because I, I mean, I, I've worked in, I've only ever worked in tech. Like I, I came out of a humanities PhD program with, <laughs> with no qualifications to work in tech, but that's where I started because my friends had a startup. And I was always working, if you're in product, you tend to be working with developers, you know, explaining like, usually it's explaining the what and the why, not the, not the how of doing something. But you work with developers, you work with the salespeople, you work with marketing. Um, and so I was always around developers, but I also realized development is very different. And even though I, 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 am, like, I had been in like a PhD program, et cetera, I was really intimidated by coding and by developers. And so I kind of just avoided it. And if you're in product, like it's, you really, you know, you're not, you're not expected to code. So anyway, um, about three years ago, to answer your question more directly, three years ago, I got really interested in, I came to Python through data science and, and um, machine learning. I wrote an article for an industry publication and I was very kind of fascinated by like the conversational um, chain of member chatbots and all, all those things that came out, became very popular, but just the automation that was starting to happen. And so I got really into machine learning. And my first foray into Python was taking, um, it was like, I think a Udacity course in deep learning. And it was so, it was like, it was tar, it was marketed to people with no background in Python. <laughs> it's like beginners. And it was so mistargeted. Like it was very, I mean, I still have the notes. It was, it was fascinating, but it was, it was unbelievably hard. But long story short, I came to Python through data science, but when I got to Python, I found that I loved the, the backend stuff. I bought every beginner's book and I think I took, I spent quite a bit of money. Like I took general assembly course. I did a couple of Udacity courses, which weren't at that time very cheap. 
did a Coursera course that one was Andrew Ang on data science. And I felt like I was, I was dancing around a subject, but I didn't really, I really wanted to be a developer. Like, and so I basically turned my job, my then job where I was a technical product lead, I, I started to code in the job to like find a reason to do it on the job and um, to make it useful to other people. So I, I coded some admin tools. I was very much working in Jupyter Notebooks. And then now to finally answer your question, about a year ago, I just realized that this on my own kind of bootstrapping it, I just maxed out where I was going to be able to go. I was working with a development team in my, la- my last job, but they were in Russia and they were all working in Node.js. And so, yeah, it just became, it became very clear that I needed a coach. And I didn't realize at the time, but I also very much needed a mindset shift because I was still very much intimidated by people who could code and, you know, and, and, and couldn't quite imagine myself doing it. I listened to your podcast before I joined, and then I also was talking to you on Facebook, and I would respond to your posts every now and then. Yeah, we spoke on Facebook. Yeah. So, well, so to to break this down, yeah, um, decoding on the job that that's great advice overall, and a great way to get started, right? Like that's similar to my story where I was a support engineer. I really wanted to become a programmer, but you're not confident enough to apply, nor would you have maybe the enough skills, right? So what can you do? Well, look around, what problem can you solve on the job? How can you best use your current situation? So that's great. So then the follow-up question would be, so you got a bunch of coding done. You obviously learned a lot. Where did you feel then still stuck after doing that for a while? What made you reach out? Where you saw that gap? I think the, yeah, I think the key moment when I realized, I realized two things in this key moment. One is like, okay, this is real. And I actually I'm kind of starting to own it, not just following someone else's like instructions. And two, it's also going to be harder than I thought because I want to build my own stuff. And so I really do need help. And this is, you know, is I think for me, my first experiences with coding were very much, I bought all the books. I spent, I mean, I don't have a lot of money, but I, I bought like the Ned Shaw book. I bought the Al Swigert book. I bought a bunch of recipe books from O'Reilly. Kind of just like haphazardly just like stumbling through the, the, the dark. And I would read about these things and I would go back. And then, and then I would do tutorials. And I, you know, the thing about tutorials, I find it's like very much like a recipe, um, a food recipe. You could be making cupcakes and it's kind of like a modest tutorial. And that's your time commitment's not, not too big. And you you, you know what you're getting into, or you could be doing a buffet for 10 people, so to speak, to use that analogy. And you're halfway through and you're several days into it and you realize you're not that interested in the outcome. And that's what happened to me a couple of times. And I realized, okay, for this really to work, for this to click, I need to build stuff I want to build, not build somebody else's scheduler. Are you stuck in endless commutes? Have you ever dreamed about being able to work anywhere, control your schedule? Give back to society, become an open source contributor, or become a successful developer, doubling your salary? Well, it's time to look at the PDM program, and it's time to actually build something that's going to help you get the future that you're looking for. The people that we've worked with in the PDM program have achieved some incredible things, including starting their own SaaS business with their own application. Imagine that. That could be you building your own application, selling it, making your own income. We've had people more than double their salary. I'm not making that up. I'll say it again. Double their salary after completing our program and applying for developer jobs. These are the sorts of things that you can actually achieve through 10 weeks of dedicated life coaching in the PDM program. So here's the challenge. If you are actually serious about taking your future into your own hands 
and not letting someone else control that for you, click the link below and get on a call with myself or Bob. That's right. We want to talk with you about your goals and how you can use Python to leverage your career. So book a call below and we cannot wait to talk with you soon. Tutorials are great and I'm I have great admiration for people who, who teach like you guys do and who 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 also write tutorials because I know it's not easy. Um, but often the point is to show your technology. The point isn't to produce something really cool, except for the Al Swagger examples where you are actually are producing stuff, cool, cool stuff. So I, I think the first thing I did on my own, which was creative, was um, I created a little chat app and it required me like doing a little bit of a test-driven development or test-driven.io course, but then like going off into my own, into the woods and realizing, okay, now I'm going to use Postgres or I'm going to use Mongo and I'm going to, which wasn't in the course and I'm going to use Twilio, which was also not in the course and they're using Flask, but I'm going to use Fast APIs. Like it's kind of like the point where as a chef, I imagine, because I'm not a great chef, but where you realize lamb and garlic and rosemary are three things that elemental level go well together. And I don't need to follow a recipe to be able to use them in this or that dish or this dish. And so it was kind of scary. But when I sort of took the leap and started to create my own stuff, that's when it both got more like kind of a magical and amazing and harder. And, and that's when it became really clear that I needed I needed a mentor. And you guys, and it's, it's wonderfully named developer mindset. But to be honest, going into it, I was sort of discounting the mindset part because I really wanted like a code mentor. I wanted to do code reviews. I wanted to like... I remember you know, that. Yeah. And then I, and I was just like stunned. I'm like, oh my God, it's so much about the mindset too. It's like really, yeah. So that's, that's, that's an amazing, you, you and Julian figured that out because that's an amazing calculus. It really is. So what was it about a mindset then what, that surprised you? Where, where where did it hit you unexpectedly? Like, wow, oh, shoot, the mindset. Yeah. So I had spent, I had spent, I had a career, you know, 15 years doing something um, that I got quite good at. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I think anybody can get good at something if they focus and they spent 15 years of doing it. And I had a career and I, you know, I was, I was, I had big titles, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. And I had two, I have two kids and I had two kids then. And it was like the, the risks of switching of like massive contact, like going back to being a beginner. Cause I didn't have any illusions about developing people. People like to say, and I think it's really kind of a not helpful thing. People like to say Python's easy. It's kind of like saying Spanish is easy. I think your the friction to get into the language quickly is low. But once you get into it and you really start to try to do stuff, you realize it's vast and it can be complex. There's something about becoming, I don't know, there's a, there's a, there's a name for it. I'm sure you guys know the name, but like becoming good at it at a skill, which is your livelihood. Like you depend on it for money. And like a lot of existential things tied up with what you do for a living, right? Because, you know, it's your financial support. It's your manifestation in the world of like being productive, doing something. And the whole idea of like leaving and and doing something is really hard and I, where I would be a beginner. I mean, I have a lot of context, but I would be a beginner was I just went into, it was, it was intimidating. I, there's something, there was some, thank God, there was something in me and I don't know what it was. It was almost like I had no choice. Was, I had some drive. Once I think I made a mental decision to, 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 to pursue programming as my, you know, the rest of my career, some part of me is like, you're just going to, so I, I would always go, even when I ran into big roadblocks, I would always come back to it. Like if I got really frustrated, I would come back to it in two days. Not because I was like said, here, it's on my list. I got to come back to it. I just would be drawn back to it. And, and so I would beat my head against, against the same problems and I would eventually figure them out. Um, but yet there was a lack of confidence and a real intimidation with um, coding interviews, for example. I had a coding interview before I met you guys 
where I just froze. I mean, it was my first ever like live coding interview, which, and I was doing some, it was like, you know, your typical, like never going to see this on the job kind of algorithm, algorithm thing. Um, and I've kind of froze and I, I, I just sort of like bowed out of the interview and it, it wasn't until I was in the, in the groups with, with, with you guys and some very senior developers who were in the group too. And hearing this, hearing them say that they sometimes had imposter syndrome or they felt like saying the same things or having the same concerns or and voicing those in that group made me feel like, a, like, like, Oh, I'm not a freak. It was just, it was a completely, I can remember the, the actual conversation where I think it was, um, I'm not sure I, it was Eric or somebody he voiced the internal anxiety I had in my, in my little voice that says, you can't do this. And I was like, it changed everything for me. It was like, oh my God, everyone has this. You don't really realize what's going to make a difference in terms of your confidence. Um, but that made a big difference. It was just became more real, I guess. Not that every, you know, every coding interaction I've ever had, or, you know, every other interview I ever had was flawless, but it was a, it was a, it was a, it marked a, a definite shift. Cool. Right. No, that's, uh, that's good to hear. And yeah, being in such an environment and realizing that we all have imposter syndrome to a certain extent and never really goes away, right? You need to embrace it. And you're going through that experience of failing a coding interview and doing better. So flashing forward then to, I mean, you got the developer job. <laughs> you definitely did. <laughs> you became better at the uh, interviewing, right? You got that job. Yeah. So what are you doing these days? I work for a, um, an asset management company, specifically for the real estate private equity group. My group is portfolio management, which means for doing um, forecasting cash flows to to try to ascertain at what point to sell the asset. So we buy, say we buy a an apartment building for you know say a million dollars. It's actually usually quite more, quite a bit more than that. At some um, you know, and we leverage it so we have debt, and then we have we it's a you know it, it's an income producing property, so it generates rents, and so those rents. You, you can do calculations with those future cash flows to determine what you think the um, the exit value will be in X years. And then it's a lot of financial modeling and it almost all happens in Excel. And so this is an example of a, a lot of people who are doing some pretty sophisticated modeling in Excel. Some of them don't realize it yet, but the people I work for specifically did have, they've just reached the absolute limits of Excel. Um, and it's, it's quite amazing. And so, it, you know, it's... Um, Sometimes when we think about or talk about the really cool tech jobs, it's like, oh, you know, it's, it's computer vision or whatever. It's some kind of um, neural network, et cetera, with three layers. But I, what I found is like a lot of the bigger problems are, are lower hanging fruit where it's just about using tech, um, not even sophisticated ML or deep learning to automate things that have reached their natural sort of extension where humans are no longer effective at this thing. For example, because everyone uses Excel files, they get traded around. They get, of course, they have terrible version problems. Um, they also get bogged down and sometimes don't open. It's really hard for the organization to have a collective intelligence around a certain bat batch of assets. My, my job, and right now I'm, I'm working on it alone as the sole developer, is to build a software application to replace what they're doing in Excel. That that's cool in itself, replacing Excel because <laughs> Excel clearly has these limitations, right? Yeah. Uh, but also the, the 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 theme of of your work being part of that modeling, which influences the decisions, right? To to acquire or sell, whatever. So that's quite a responsibility. So uh, yeah. So right. I mean, one interesting thing about I was 
ecstatic when I got the job, my first developer job. I'm gonna do like I'm getting paid to write code all the time. I don't have to like I don't have to like sneak hours or you know make it only evenings and weekends. But, but but the flip side of that is like I'm getting paid to code and I've got to produce work and you know it's and so I had there was a moment about about like a couple of weeks, you know I think probably a month and a half ago or two months ago, where I got started to get like that. Um, I started getting nervous that maybe what my code wasn't going to be, at least my first major delivery. I'm the only developer on it right now. Um, maybe, you know, it wasn't going to be great. And then I think actually I, w- I went back to one of your um, code clinics and to Julian's mindset calls. And it helped me get out of that, uh, that place of like fear of making mistakes. Because what I didn't realize is that that writing, you know, writing applications or producing software is, is it's inherently a creative act it doesn't get enough credit for, for, for being that. Um, it's not just think, you know, engineering and um, what we think about as engineering. So, and so there's an element of risk involved, but also an element of like, of figuring out yourself and kind of ownership. And I was, I, I guess I sort of hit that bridge and was like, became sort of locked up and a little, little bit scared. And then anyway, I went back to your, your clinics and that helped me get out of that mindset. But what, what did you hear there that solved that? Um, you know, it, I was, uh, I was asking a question in the forum about, um, how to do X, Y, Z. And I, I'm not sure it was Antonio or, or, or Will or somebody, somebody said, or maybe you, um, said, you just, ju- just do it the way you want to do it and work through it and you'll, you'll figure it out. And I, I realized then too, which it seems naive, like there's not always a, an exact way to do something, right? These tools allow you to do a huge in various, very different number of things. And there's different ways of accomplishing those things. And for some tasks, it's a, there's obvious ways to do it. And some tasks there aren't. And you just got to sort of go, you know, sort of move forward. And and that mo- always moving forward, you guys always make that point, always moving forward. That makes a big, big difference. Because there have been days where I'm just like grinding and like, I'm just working on a problem. Like I can't figure out how to get preload data into the database. And I'll just keep doing it even though I'm frustrated. And the next day or, or, you know, when I'm eating breakfast or something or not specific, there's an email I guess you guys have for this. I forgot what it was, but I'm not specifically drilling on that thing. It'll, the solution will sort of like occur to me. And so just to the always moving forward kind of um, approach that you guys espouse was, was super important to me. And that's become be- helpful in the rest of my life too, actually. You need to basically step away from problems. We have spoken about that many times here as well. And uh, and also, I think it's in our nature as, as developers to always want to optimally prepare uh, the tutorial paralysis. I remember when I started my first dev job, totally. reaching out to the manager, like, what's the stack? And then like <laughs> geeking out and like having to learn all these technology up front, buying a stack of books because I had to learn SQL alchemy and Postgres and, and whatnot. And then to only discover that that was the least of my concerns when I entered the group because it was highly contextual to the solution. I had to learn the domain first, what it was about. And the Python was just a small part of it. And, you know, the frameworks I would just learn on the job. And they were even, <laughs> and these frameworks were highly customized. So even from a, as going back to your example about the tutorials, even if I had read the whole book, it would have been theoretical and not applicable to the actual job. It's always different, right? When you actually get on yeah. the floor. Yeah, there's a saying like, I don't know sure if it's exactly germane, but like we suffer more in imagination than in reality. So mm. like my idea of what I should be able to do with this particular job and this application is it's it's actually 
much bigger and grander. And I've got it like, like you said, I've got to be an expert in every framework. Actually, well, the day to day is not like that at all. It's like, I've got to, I've got to learn this subject area and I've got to do these things over here. And it's, um, I found that when I was just doing tutorial after tutorial, it, a kind of rigidity sets in where you're like, if you encounter a, a problem that doesn't look just like this one, then you kind of lock up. I was doing that a little bit. And um, I guess it's with anything that's complex and requires new skills, you have to sort of, there's a, there's a sort of element of like risk taking or like, I'm going to make it my own now and I'm going to do it my way. When you find your own kind of flow or you, you find your, you find you have your own opinions about how to do something because you're, you're making up your own mind, not just following somebody else's rule set. It's kind of a, it's kind of an amazing feeling and it kind of stuck up on me. So yeah, no, thanks for sharing that. I'm happy that you you got through that transition and, and got more comfortable in that uncomfort of the new job, right? And maybe do you have one more piece of advice for people that aspire to become developers and are where you were one to three years ago and they try to get a developer job and they find it hard. What's one more piece of advice that you yeah. can give our audience? Um, it's a it's a piece of advice I learned from your. Um, now it sounds like I'm I'm just chilling, but this is all authentic truth. Like I I don't think I would have this job if I would have gone back to product or something if I hadn't met you guys. Um, and that's why I st I'm still hanging around a year later, right? Um, PDM isn't is not necessarily a year when you first do it. Um, anyway, so the thing I heard was voiced by somebody else in one of our um, groups, which was about interviewing it, and it kind of de-stressed interviews for me it was like, just, just see it as practice. I mean, if you're, if you're really actively looking for a job, you know, it becomes its own kind of part-time job. Like it's, you know, devote a lot of energy to it. First of all, there was an amazing change on my, when I changed, when I, when I got Julian's like help to reshape my LinkedIn so I could tell my story now with the developer frame on it. Um, and you know, it was, uh, the, the, it was a lovely sort of feeling. I'm sure it's like times 10 for really experienced developers, but like the inbound recruiter emails were like, we're, we're very, they're still very strong. So that's a wonderful thing about our profession, I have to say in general. But um, so I would respond to the ones that I was genuinely interested in. So I wasn't taking throwaway interviews. I was, I went in caring about them, but I, I, I started treating them like practice and it, it de-stressed the individual interviews. So I wasn't so worried about like, if this one doesn't go right, I'll never have a job again. Um, and I, it kind of like turned them into practice and I, I became okay with not knowing or just getting better. Like I, I should have known that first, very first tech interview I had, I probably should have gone in knowing like, this is my first one. It's probably not going to be perfect. Don't sweat it. But I didn't, I went in thinking, oh, I got to nail it and I froze. And, um, I think if you do, if you get to the, the habit of interviewing, tell when telling your story, um, and in doing these different kinds of coding challenges. In my experience, it's not just solve the algorithm. Sometimes it's a take-home thing. Sometimes it's a pair programming thing. It becomes more natural. And that's the key. It should, if it becomes natural and in the flow of the interview, and specifically about, you know, this is about finding a job, then you, good things will happen. And that's the place to get. And I, it, it, it took me a while. And it certainly was, um, I benefited from the advice of, of you guys and others in our group. Sweet. So really expectation thing, right? Saying to yourself, this is just one of the many interviews I'm going to have. It's a numbers game in part. Uh, every time I'm going to get better. I think there's also a little bit of a fake it before you make it kind of element to it. Like um, it's not only about the pure code you get to write in an interview. 
how can yeah. you talk about it? I mean, I got stuck right. on a tree algorithm one day. I kind of messed up. I mean, technically coding, but I was still turned out later because I, I, <laughs> I got the job and I spoke with the, the person that interviewed me. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, the code syntax was kind of messy on the whiteboard, but you could really argument well why how how this worked you know from a design perspective and that counted so don't get obsessed about the actual whiteboard yeah there's also reasoning and how to explain stuff and that goes a long way yeah i didn't realize that either i thought it was going to be like um i had to be a savant with the syntax and and really you're right reasoning about structures and how to approach problems and working through the problem step by step i mean if you have a regex problem and you don't remember every little you know piece of syntax with regex, which most people don't have necessarily handy. You can you can walk. I mean, I think Julian actually uses this example. You can walk through it, saying exactly how you would do it, without having to actually write the you know the final solution. So that's a really good point. I did not realize that when I went into the so much of development. I find now that I do it all you know full time is is not just writing code. It's it's patterns. It's thinking about structure and and how to approach problems. And um, that to me is like it's a wonderful intellectual experience and challenge often yeah i if you can grow to that more senior level and do more design and architecture you might be writing less code and you will be spending more time on code reviewing and thinking about the solution as a whole and that that's that's fascinating it is fascinating yeah i mean i'm not quite there yet but i, I can i can see how i can see it it's not a nice segue though what's next um it's funny now going into the engineering role, I kind of like stopped wearing the product manager hat. Um, and then about a month ago, the project manager in me said, you know what, you really need to staff this product a little differently. Cause um, so it's got a, it's a heavy backend component. It's got a DevOps. So I'm doing, I'm doing everything. I'm doing backend front end DevOps, but I'm not great at front end. And so that realizing that was important. Like, oh, I, you know, there's things I really like to do and I think I'm good at. And there are things I'm not good at. And I should you know, acknowledge those. So we we probably need a front-end developer, but I've been writing, um, doing a lot of work in Vue.js. I like JavaScript actually quite a bit, but um, I know it's heresy, but actually it's not heresy really here. Uh, so yeah, so building out the team a little bit more, um, launching the of MVP at the end of March is next. Um, and then you know, if, all, if all goes well, and this gets, it's an internal tool I'm building and it gets traction, um, and it gets adoption more across the um, the organization. It could become quite 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 something. And we, we one of the goals is to build it is to build something that can be used by the rest of the company. It's a large company. Um, and if that happens in any any, any fashion, then we'll be t we'll be growing a team, which is great because I'll be at the ground floor. So that's that's pretty exciting. Exciting! Congratulations. Uh, Thank you for getting that job because it's not only the job and and the coding. <laughs> You have a clear uh, way forward, and uh, sounds fascinating. What's uh, ahead of you? So, my final question is: What are you reading? Um, <laughs> I heard you guys discussing this in your uh, podcast with Ed, and, and you were reading some. You were reading like two books, and Ed's reading um, books, and then Julian's like, "I'm not reading anything." <laughs> I don't finish them though. <laughs> <laughs> How can you? Like you're reading like, microservices architecture for 500 pages. That's that's a tough one. Um. I'm usually reading a tech book and a, like a novel. I'm not reading a novel, um, but the, in terms of, I've been reading, um, you know, it's funny. Actually, right now I'm not reading anything. Actually, it's not true. I've been, I've been doing a lot of reading Django. 
because I work a lot in Django now. Uh, I did not expect to love Django as much as I do. It's, it's very powerful. But the last really, really good thing I read cover to cover was um, the one that we all read was a hell of typing advice uh, or, or tips, the um, well-structured, what was it, the robust Python? Oh, yeah. I, I read most of that. that. That's a great book on uh, typing, right? was a right? great book. Yeah. So that's the last one I read. I think I'm taking um, suggestions for the next book, though. Oh, I'm going to put me on the spot. Let, let me go through my stack. <laughs> You're always reading something. So. Yeah, one book I'm reading and enjoying is Annan Johnson's Booster Django DX. And I'm 30% in, and it's mostly the tooling um, for Django and for development and already picked up some really cool tricks. So yeah, I highly recommend that book, Booster Django DX. By by Adam Johnson. Yeah, is it? Adam Johnson, yeah. It's about tools that make your Django development experience better, right? It's not about Django specific things. Yeah. Is it? It's more about like being more uh, more effective developer. Is it, is it applicable to development in general in Python or is it specific somehow to Django? It's a bit Django focused, but definitely a lot what I've read so far is super generic to any Python developer. Yeah. And shout out to Ryan because I think Ryan uh, pointed us to that book on Twitter or Slack. Yeah. I really appreciate your time and having me on the podcast, Bob. Yeah, no, thanks, Josh, for this uh, awesome interview. So so thanks for uh, sharing your knowledge and experience. And thanks uh, for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear more from us, go to pybyte slash friends. That is pybit.es slash friends and receive a free gift just for being a friend of the show. And to join our thriving Slack community of Python programmers, Go to pybytes slash community. That's pybit.es forward slash community. We hope to see you there and catch you in the next episode.